Hello there, and welcome to Friday Formula, a weekly motorsport podcast where this week we're going to dive down the inside line at Turn 1 and take on the world's biggest motorsport news. I'm Owen Bellwood, and I'm once again joined by Will Longman. How are you doing this week, Will? Uh, yeah, not too bad. I was very unprepared for you to ask me how I am. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I think I'm maybe in shock still from uh, there being a half-decent, watchable race at Spain at the weekend, which is a nice surprise. Yeah, that is a good good surprise to have at the start of a week, isn't it? Or the end of a week, I guess. Because, yeah, everyone goes into it thinking, oh, there's going to be no overtakes. Oh, everyone's just going to go round. But it was quite a nice mixed event, wasn't it? Yeah, and I wonder if part of that is to do with the fact that we didn't test there this year. It was nice to not do thousands of laps over eight days at Barcelona. Maybe they should go back to testing at circuits that they don't race at. But nonetheless, you know, they had less data. You got some more kind of mixed strategies. Everyone wasn't just doing the same thing. It was it was quite nice. Yeah, the strategy thing was the part that I found most interesting this weekend. How you could see people trying to do a one stop, and then just getting so far and being like, "Oh, it's not worth it. We've got to go in again." Yeah. People like George Russell. He was up in the points for a long time, and you were just like, "Can he make it? Can he make it?" And then he had to go in for new tires and was just outside again come the end of the race. Yeah, and there were moments when I was screaming at the TV, I think this race could have been a lot different if the pit teams just reacted to the, that change in strategy, namely the team, or the, the, the drivers in first and second. <laughs> um, but I guess that's our first starting point, isn't it? The, the Hamilton-Verstappen battle. Yeah, so this week we're going to pick out just three talking points because we've decided that these are the biggest moments of the race. And uh, yeah, the... Hamilton Verstappen battle is really hotting up. It kind of started from qualifying on Saturday when it seemed like the times were getting eaten away at each other, but then Lewis did end up qualifying on pole. Uh, his fastest time was 116.741. Max was just 0.036 seconds off that pace, despite the commentary team thinking that he was going to be able to trounce him at the last second. Yeah, it was interesting. Quali was a bit of an anticlimax, wasn't it, where their runs didn't get faster on the final runs. Yeah, it seemed like everyone was expecting all the drivers to improve, but then a few drivers backed out and didn't do a second run, and then I think it was only like Perez was the only person that improved his time in the end. Well, yeah, and it's again, he qualified in eighth, not quite where he needs to be, so he probably improved off a lap that wasn't fast enough in the first place. But I think there was a lot of saving tyres and stuff for the race on Sunday. I know Lewis went out a couple of times and scrubbed some new tyres so that they were like in a better condition for Sunday, um, which should totally be illegal. I, I, don't, I don't think you should be able to do that. But yeah, again, it was super close at the top. We just want Paris to start joining that party and, and push Bossas for that third place, I think. Yeah, for sure. The other big moment from qualifying was uh, that it was Lewis's 100th pole position. Everyone knew it was going to come eventually, so I don't think anyone was shocked by that, but it was quite nice that he's reached this huge milestone and he's now got more poles than some constructors, which just seems insane. It's crazy. There was a really good interview with Martin Brundle where he does a qualifying masterclass with Lewis Hamilton, mm-hmm. and Lewis just says there are certain things that the great drivers can tell by doing lap after lap where... You know, the tiniest of input can buy you a hundredths of a second, and that's 
what is the difference when you're looking at a margin like you know three hundredths of a second from pole and it's probably going to be pushed to being within a tenth at every race this year they're the margins that that you need and that having like you know 14 years in the sport being at the top is what it buys you yeah exactly but after qualifying on saturday came the race on sunday where it, it all kicked off in the first lap and then max was as alluded to in my excellent introduction this week uh, max was able to dive down the inside at turn one and sort of shimmy his way in front of lewis and then take the lead uh, on the opening lap of the race which you would have seen and thought oh that's going to be the only exciting part of spain but it was just the beginning of something that was going to be quite a tense fight between the two two drivers throughout yeah i just hope that there aren't too many races that are just decided on lap one this year and that's mm-hmm. it because it seems to be a recurring theme at the moment we had it in Imola, we had it in portugal lap after lap but it was still just that first turn after the straight it'd be nice to see them do battle over the course of a few laps yeah um, but nonetheless it's nice to <laughs> see them you know the two title protagonists going at each other at every race they've overtaken one another or at least one of them has overtaken the other one at every race so far this season which is great. We haven't got to the stage where one of them starting right at the back of the pack and having to catch up to, to find the other one. No, which will be an exciting thing if it does happen. I guess we've got to hope for a few reliability issues and things where people end up getting grid place penalties for replacing parts and stuff. That's where it will get interesting. And then the kind of team play that we were talking about, you know, you want Perez to be there to maybe, if he's going to protect Max, if Max is at the front, you want him to stop Lewis coming through. But it looks like the biggest uh, challenger there might actually be his own teammate, Valtteri Bottas, because they had a little bit of a tussle in, in Spain, didn't they? Yeah, there was, um, I think it was after Lewis had come in for his second stop and he was on his newer tyres and he was catching up with Bottas. I think he was still sort of 18, 20 seconds off max at this point. And the team came over the radio to Bottas like, oh, Lewis is on a different strategy, let him pass. But he didn't hop out the way straight away he kind of held him up for two or three more corners than I think Toto would have liked yeah I quite liked it Valtteri still is going to want to see himself as a title challenger isn't he and he's not had the best start to this season so he's going to have to try and do everything he can to stay in front of Lewis but it's pretty inevitable in the end wasn't it it was maybe a little bit uh, ill-judged yeah and um, the other interesting thing that I thought about uh, kind of led up to his little stint behind Bottas, but was how it was another week where it seemed like Mercedes were having to mix up their strategy to try and catch up with Red Bull. And it's quite interesting that this is at least the second race where this has happened. And that's something that we're so used to Red Bull doing, having to pit early, pit late, stay out on the tyres a bit more. So to see uh, Mercedes really putting the strategist to work and in the end winning the race based on that. Is uh, quite nice. Yeah, and it's a shame as well because Red Bull saw it coming. As soon as Lewis pitted for the second time, GP came over the radio to Max and said, "This is going to be hungry all over again." And it was at that point when I thought, well, "Why, why don't you do something then?" <laughs> you know, while there's like enough of a gap to Lewis, put some fresh rubber on, and yeah, he might undercut you you might have some more life in your tyres, so get in front of him again. Otherwise, you are just sitting duck. You're going to come second either way. Fight hard or die trying. I guess that would be the benefit of having the second Red Bull up in 
second, third, or fourth, rather than being fifth, sixth, where I think he was at that point, having someone that can cover any strategy call that you need to make. And hopefully we will see Perez up there soon, but at the minute he is still a couple of places off where I think Christian Horner needs him to be. And I also saw a stat that was the average lap time that Perez, Gasly and Albon were behind Max Verstappen in their first four races, I think it was. And Perez is actually the slowest of those three, which I don't think you would have expected. I mean, I saw that stat too, and it doesn't really tell the full picture because it does seem like, you know, a shocking stat and Perez isn't keeping up as highly as we thought he would. But races aren't decided on lap times compared to your teammate. It decides, you know, on the results. And at the end of the day, he started eighth and finished fifth on a track that's pretty difficult to overtake on, where strategy was clearly kind of the biggest player here and Red Bull weren't on their game. So I don't think it was the worst race in the world, but he, he is going to need to pick up the pace and maybe get that. But get, rather than the gap to, to Max, let's look at the gap to Bottas, because I think Max and Lewis are just going to be in a completely different world this year. Yeah, I think they are. And um, while the two of them are still fighting quite close on track, the win has extended Lewis's lead in the championship a bit more. So he's now on 94 points compared to Verstappen's 80 even though uh, Max was able to pick up an extra point for his fastest lap towards the closing stages of the race. Uh, I think it's quite interesting that Max is always there gunning for the fastest lap, whereas a lot of the last two weeks we've just seen Lewis be like, eh, I'll just stay out. I got this. I got the win. Yeah, well, I guess if you've got the 25 points, then knowing what Mercedes pit stops can be like, you don't want to risk it. Uh, It's Lewis Hamilton's highest points total at this stage of a season ever which is terrifying given his dominance over the last few years and this could be his closest title battle yet and he's still smashing it yeah it's it's worrying (laughs) i didn't realize that but so if max lewis and valtteri were all kind of in their normal first second and third positions someone that was slightly higher than you maybe would have expected uh, at the start of the season, was Ferrari's Charles Leclerc. How how did you think he performed this weekend? I think he was great. Yeah, it was funny. I was watching some old races from 2019 earlier today and just forgot that Charles Leclerc and like Sebastian Vettel used to have front row lockouts. <laughs> like That second part of that season, like he's a real race winner. And last year was such a shame to see him just fall down the pecking order. But he's finding some pace in that Ferrari that... Carlos Sainz isn't, and yeah, he had a a pretty steady race. Yeah, I think that's what it is. It was so it wasn't that he had an uneventful race uh, because he did qualify fourth again for the third time this year, which I think is really showing the consistency he's got in that car, and he definitely knows how to extract the most out of it. And whether that is he's out driving the ability of the car, or if he's just really hooked up with it. Uh, he's definitely kicked off his season and really staking his claim on that Ferrari team and showing that he is the man to be leading it forwards because you can't argue with three-fourths when you've got Sergio Perez in a Red Bull who arguably should be in for. Yes, we've had um, a few races at circuits that are relatively difficult to overtake on. So I wonder if it's the case that 
you know, Charles Leclerc is epic on a on a single lap run. And he proved that last year when he was in an awful car and still got some good results out of it. So I wonder if they're just able to maximise what they can get out of qualifying and then you know, the car's good enough to make sure no one can pass him on a Sunday. I mean, that's perfect again for Monaco coming up. You, you just have a great qualifying in Monaco and just sit in the middle of the road. You'll be okay. Let's see what happens in Paul Ricard and some other circuits where it might be a little bit easier to, to get past. But no, there's positive signs. And I think, you know, yeah, like I was saying, we were forgetting that Charles Leclerc is a proper, proper driver. It wasn't even just that he was sitting there in the middle of the road and stopping anyone from overtaking. He did get past Bottas and was in up in third for a few laps and then did sit in the road and do a fair bit of defensive driving to keep Sergio Perez behind him, who, like we said earlier, was a bit out of position and was fighting through the field. So he was able to hold on to where he thought he belonged. It's just a case of you know, getting in front of a Mercedes and being able to stay there rather than inevitably losing that place. But then again, their fight this year is with McLaren. It's not with Mercedes and Red Bull. So as sad as it is to see Ferrari at the top of the midfield, <laughs> at least they're at the top of the midfield. Yeah, so Leclerc was once again the lead Ferrari come the end of the race, finishing fourth, obviously ahead of Perez, but the next rival back was Daniel Ricciardo in sixth in his McLaren. And he was just ahead of Sainz in the other rival Ferrari, who was ahead of Norris. So it's interesting that it is so close between those two teams this year, because there's been a few instances where it's been a McLaren ahead of a Ferrari, ahead of a McLaren, ahead of a Ferrari. So that should be a spicy, spicy third place battle throughout the year, hopefully. Apart from when Alpine come in and sweep the board with everyone and win a few races and but it was. There are signs that there's a car there because Ocon qualified fifth. Ocon, which you great qualifiers, he did really well in Portugal as well, didn't he? Yeah. But while Alpine are one midfield team that is beginning to show a bit of promise, the uh, the other midfield team that we thought was worth noting this week was Alpha Tauri, who maybe not been getting the results that people were quite hoping and did have a bit of a stinker this weekend. They scored a point. They did. That was nice. Just the one, though. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, at the beginning of the season, everyone was talking about them as as not necessarily favourites for that midfield battle, but we thought it might be three, even four-way, well, five, if you want to add Alpine and Aston Martin in there. but AlphaTauri was definitely one of the ones that we thought were going to be pushing McLaren at the very least. And Yuki Tsunoda's not even scored a single point yet this season. No. Retired due to no fault of his own this year. But maybe it's just not as fast as we thought it was. No, we were all tricked by the, the white wheels. Made us think it was going to be super speedy. But it just seemed to be another, not torrid weekend, but it just always seemed to be a little bit off. So Yuki Tsunoda was knocked out in Q1. He was 0.007 seconds away from making it into Q2. And then Gasly qualified 12th, and it was his first time not in Q3 this season. So while that could be down to it being a very tight fight between the Alpha Tauri, Alpines, McLarens, and Ferraris, I think 
people would have expected someone like Gasly, who proven race winner, to be up in Q3. So it was a shame to see him way down in 12th. Yeah, and Yuki's got to got to sort it out. He's not qualified higher than 14th this year. Didn't get out Q1, like you said, for the second time this season. And I know that you know he's a rookie, but he should be out qualifying the Williams. You would have thought. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So hopefully it's a case of just some teething problems with him and then hopefully give it a few weeks they'll be up to the double point scoring ways that everyone hopes they will be. But even with the qualifying performances not being quite what we wanted, there were still silly mistakes that hampered the race. So the big one was Gasly ended up with a five second penalty for not being in the right place in his box at the start, which... It's just like, there's lines. Stop at the line, and then you won't get a five-second penalty. And that, I mean, if he'd not had that, he could have won two points. Wow. He did have a bit of a blinder in the last kind of eight laps. I think he pitted for a new set of tyres quite late on. And if you look at the gap between him and Ocon, who was just ahead of him at the end... The gap was about 17 seconds with about eight laps to go and he managed to get that down and it was it was a couple of seconds that he didn't... I think they might have even crossed the line together. So that was good. That was strong. And, you know, if he did pull that off, then, yeah, maybe that's two points well earned. Uh, but had he not had the... You know, you're right. If he didn't have that five-second penalty, then he definitely would have would have got across the line before him. Um, more, more to come. Definitely. It still feels like there's a lot of untapped potential in that team. And while it might not be another race win like we had last year, unless it's a mad one, it would be nice to see both of them up in the points. But then I'd also like to see Alonso and Ocon both in the points week in, week out. So maybe we just need to extend where we give points to. You've not even spoken about the Williams yet. Oh God, George needs points as well. (laughs) That is the thing, isn't it? If you think of all all the cars that are going to score points, you've got... Mercedes, Red Bull, McLaren, Ferrari. To say all of their cars score points, you've only got space for two more cars. I know. I know Mick Schumacher to get points at some point. Okay, if Mick Schumacher gets points this year, that is going to be the craziest race. Imagine if Mick Schumacher gets points before George Russell. I think the best way Mick Schumacher is going to get points is if at the start, Mick goes the right way off the grid and Mazepin just turns around and starts going the wrong way around and taking out everyone else. I did quite like the um, FIA to team radio graphic that we got when Toto wasn't happy with Mazepin holding up his man. I hope that is a regular thing now. and Not that it's always someone moaning about Mazepin, but that we get to hear a little bit more of what the race director has a say on. Absolutely. I think that's something that we always hear that has happened. They always say, like, you know, I spoke to Michael during the race, or they always say, you know, oh, yeah, Toto will be speaking to the stewards, to whatever, whatever, whatever. But it's a bit like, so in football, they've just brought in VAR, and one of the worst things about it is that you you don't know the decision-making process behind it, you don't know what the referees are talking about, and then all of a sudden, random decisions are reversed for whatever reason. Having an open dialogue like this makes it so much clearer Mm. for fans new and old to know what's going on so yeah a really welcome addition and let's hope that we get more of it Um, because you get it in in formula e don't you 
maybe not quite to this extent, but you at least hear the race director's voice and he explains certain decisions to do with like safety car and flags and stuff. Yeah, I quite like the implementation of it in Formula E. But if we're having one thing from Formula E in F1, it's got to be driver's eye. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Either that or the Michelin man at the podiums. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure what Pirelli would think of that, but I'm down for it. Do you know what the Michelin man's called? Mike? Bibendum. <laughs> what? That's what the Michelin man's called. Okay, A, don't say that like everyone knows that. <laughs> B, why is he called Bibendum? I'm not sure. So those were what we think are the three biggest points of the Spanish Grand Prix. It wasn't an action-packed race, which I don't think anyone expects from the Circuit de Catalunya, but uh, it was quite an exciting one nonetheless, and there were quite a lot of interesting little tussles up and down the grid, and because of that, we're now going to do our now traditional one-sentence review of all the teams in the championship. We're going to go down in championship order, which means we kick off with Mercedes, and over to you, Will. Hamilton is inevitable. Bottas is replaceable. Next up, Red Bull. Needs to pull some strategy wizardry out the bag. How have you described McLaren's race? Ricardo's finding his rhythm while Lando misses the beat. Next up, then, Ferrari. Positive signs of a hopeful return to form. The next team in the standings is Alpine. Ocon outshining his world champion teammate. Next we have the disappointing Alpha Tauri. Tauri troubles becoming almost traditional. Uh, and then just behind Alpha Tauri in the standings is Aston Martin. Another pointless race. Next we have Alpha Romeo. In danger of becoming forgettable. But just behind Alpha Romeo is Williams. The gulf between Russell and Latifi is starting to show. We end with the one, the only, Haas F1 team. It's so hard just not to be negative about them all the time. But I feel like it just has to be another week getting in the way. So that's been our review of the 2021 Spanish Grand Prix. How did you think each team fared? Uh, you can let us know on Twitter what your one-sentence review of either teams or the race would be. You can reach out to both of us at Friday Formula, or you can get in touch with me at Owen Bellwood and Will, you are... At Will Longman. So please do get in touch with us across Twitter. We'd love to hear your thoughts on the race or any predictions for Monaco, other things you'd like us to discuss, because next week we are taking a step back from race reviews and we're going to be talking all about sprint races the proposed format that's going to be trialled at a few events this year. So if you've got any thoughts on sprint races, do let us know ahead of next week's episode. But before we're back next week, if this week's race has inspired you to create your own fantasy Formula One team, we do have the Friday Formula League. So we'd love it if you could come and join us on there. We will pop the code to join our league in the episode description. Copy and paste that onto the Fantasy Formula One website and see how your team compares to ours. That is everything from us this week. Thank you so much for sticking with us and listening to our thoughts on the Spanish Grand Prix. Please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be back next week. Goodbye. See you later.